What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 super girl radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Alex of WhatTheFangirl.com to discuss the season two episode of the show titled City of Lost Children. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Alex. This is your uh, first time with us, but I know you are a listener, so I'm very excited to hear your thoughts about the show. I'm a big fan of the show and of the podcast. (laughs) Well, I'm a big fan (laughs) of uh, what you guys are doing over at whatthefangirl.com and all of the podcasts that you have over there. Uh, So, But before we get into our discussion and all of our news and all that, uh, can you tell our listeners sort of your history with the Supergirl character? Were you a fan of the character before you started watching the show, or how did you uh, come into knowing about the character? You know, I remember when I was like a really little kid, I remember seeing the original Supergirl movie with Helen Slater, which, I mean, is a mess, but I loved it. And then (laughs) I always loved Superman and Lois Lane. And I got to a point, you know, I love my anti-heroes and I love my villains. But when I heard Supergirl was going to be a thing, I thought this might be when I need to have like one show where it is not so dark and depressing if they could pull it off and make it not like cloying. And I already loved the flash. So I thought this is a good show to, to take a chance on. And I've been so excited about it. I really enjoy it. it actually makes me feel good when I watch the show, <laughs> which is not something that um, I feel when I watch all my other shows. So, but I, and I love Krypton and I don't know why. I think that's why I like the alien aspects of Supergirl and, and Superman over maybe some of the other superheroes. Yeah, that's awesome. There are lots of aliens on Supergirl, so if that is your jam, aliens <laughs> aliens are uh, you're you're not going to be uh, skimped out on with the alien aspect. But that's that's awesome that uh, that Supergirl brings a little little light into your life. I think that's that's maybe I don't want to speak for Morgan, but that's also the case for me. So uh, I think that uh, is is awesome. All right, so since we have gotten some information about Alex and her history with Supergirl, let's get to the news. We unfortunately have some bad news to start with on uh, this episode of Supergirl Radio, but I guess it's kind of like a like a band aid, you know, just rip it off and uh, and then get, <laughs> and, and then get hmm. to the good stuff. I promise we'll get into Brian the Alien and City of Lost Children, um, but first we need to talk about um, the cancellation of Super Fan Con, which is such a, a disappointment and a bummer, but. Um, so the it's officially been canceled, and the website has a notice that reads, "quote 
We regret to inform you the Superfan Convention scheduled for September 8th through the 10th, 2017, has been canceled. Unfortunately, at the four-month mark, our ticket sales are extremely low, and despite our efforts to promote the convention through advertising discounts and seeking sponsorship, the sales have not increased. With the cost to host the convention coupled with low revenue from ticket sales, we do not believe the convention is viable at this point in time. As fans of the show, we have been thinking with our hearts up to this point, and we're hoping as we got closer to the, to the event, ticket sales would start increasing, but it has become evident that this will not hold true. We are truly sorry to let the, down the fans of the show who were excited about this event. Refunds for those who have purchased tickets and extras are being refunded immediately via PayPal, unquote. So uh, we're really sorry to hear about Superfan Con and uh, it not actually uh, coming to fruition and, and not uh, actually getting to see uh, the light of day. That, that That is a disappointment, but hopefully sometime in the future these people will give it another go and, and try to make this happen. Uh, but yeah, so that that is uh, sad to hear. Uh, but we just wanted to let everybody know that this was happening. So if you did uh, purchase tickets, those uh, are going to be refunded. All right. So now we've kind of got the bummer news out of the way. Let's uh, get straight into our discussion of the season two episode of Supergirl titled City of Lost Children. And here is the official description. Quote, when an alien attacks National City, Supergirl and the DEO learn the alien is a Forian, an otherwise peaceful race with telekinetic powers. Guardian gets a lead on the Forian's address, but instead of finding the culprit, he finds a very scared boy named Marcus, guest star Lonnie Chevis. Marcus will only trust James, so it is up to Guardian to stop the attacks on the city. And Rhea's plan escalates, unquote. So, uh, Alex, I'm very curious to hear what you think about uh, this episode and kind of what it did for James as a character, because we've talked, and you probably know, about, uh, about James on Supergirl Radio, that it's been a little frustrating to watch uh, kind of what's been going on with him and, and how they're able to fit him into storylines. So, uh, Alex, what did you think about what they did with James in this episode and his interactions with Marcus? Well, I was really surprised and taken aback by the direction that this episode took with him. And I, I'm glad that it happened because I really did not like this. There were so many problems with Guardian this year. And I guess what shocked me was they it was like almost meta because they had James actually saying, this Guardian thing isn't working out. And I thought, this is not working out. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. So I, while I don't think all the issues with James are fixed, but I really, like, I was moved by his interactions with the kid in this episode. I, I've been real frustrated because I feel like we don't know enough about James, like, the character, we need to know more about his background and his father and all those things, and it, it just never felt like it was really earned for him to be Guardian. And I don't think the show needed a vigilante hero. So I guess, for me, this was, like, a welcome change, and I thought Makad Brooks was great. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the the backstory. That's one of the things that I kind of wish the show would expand on. And they they have James talk about his father and and how he was influential in his life and how um, you know the the death of his father uh, changed some things about uh, the way he um, you know he put up a wall, an emotional wall. And uh, so I'm glad we get that information, but it's still just kind of 
dialogue. It's not something we get to see. So for me, it's hard to bring that in and digest that and not have a visual aspect to play with. So um, I'm glad we get that, but I kind of wish we got some flashbacks or something. I felt like a bad person because I laughed when his camera got like crushed in like the previously ons because it had been (laughs) so long since we had seen that. And I was like, oh, right, that's right. That was his only motivation. (laughs) Like, it was like, no, my one character (laughs) attribute. Well, you're not alone, but, Morgan. I, I did. I did. But I mean, have a laugh it, like, like when they showed it in the previews, I previously, I like, I literally thought, oh my god, I forgot that happened. Like they, they are, they are so non-committed to this James and Guardian storyline that, like, what was supposed to be the big moment that kind of led him down this path was so forgettable that they had to, they like definitely had to remind you like remember james's dad (laughs) well the the, so rough the thing that um sort of bothered me about that because like i could buy earlier on in the season that his his dad's camera got smushed and so that's why he became a superhero um even though i kind of didn't buy it you do not want to mess with photographers yeah well (laughs) they will go they will you mess up their camera they're gonna go ham (laughs) well like i (laughs) i didn't like it and i thought it was weak but i could kind of go with it but in this episode i don't know about y'all but like when marcus went into james's office and and james was like here are all the cameras on this table that i own (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah and i was like why couldn't you had other cameras (laughs) I was led to believe that the camera that got smushed was the only camera you had. He's like, sorry, can't be a photographer anymore. That was my one camera. (laughs) So now he has all these cameras in his office. I was very confused. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, so now you've got a camera. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I I admit, I forgot that that the, the crushing of the camera was the reason that he turned to Guardian. So I was like, oh, yeah, well, I, you know, oh, the show actually had to remind me of that. It was so bizarre. I just, what? He was supposed to run CatCo. And I mean, that's the <laughs> storyline, but no. Yeah, he's I'm, I'm running CatCo. I'm so looking forward to, like, when Uh-oh. Cat comes back next week and she, like, walks into her office and she's like, why is there a cot under this desk? <laughs> James, ha- James, have you been living here? And James is like, no. And he's like packing all his cameras into a giant duffel bag. <laughs> well, they haven't, they haven't told us that he doesn't live there. We, d- we technically. That's true. So my head cannon is still safe. <laughs> Your George Costanza head cannon is still there. Uh, I, that we have not seen where James lives. So until then, I think it's very plausible that that could happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so we get, uh, some, some time in, uh, James's office with Marcus and, and, and getting to see him develop this relationship with this kid. Um, Alex, were there, was there anything about that relationship in particular that, um, kind of spoke to you about James? Like, did, did this change, did this episode kind of change anything for you in terms of James as a character? No, <laughs> not really, <laughs> because I feel like his motivations have been really sketchy this second season. Not as sketchy as in the character sketchy. Like, I can see what they're trying to do, like why he was going to become Guardian, but it was in the very early stages of season two, and this character all of a sudden felt intensely left out and needed to make a difference as a vigilante hero with a suit. I just, 
I couldn't buy into that. So seeing him interact with the child, I was like, oh, that's right. He has the, you know, he's a nice, good role model and he wants to do the right thing. But that's not much of a character a description. You have to have a lot more than that. And I think that's what's been so disappointing about James. I don't feel, I still don't feel like I learned anything though. Or where he's going, I still couldn't tell you. Hmm. Good, <laughs> good point. Um, Morgan, what did you think about? Uh, I know we, we already previously talked about James and his cameras. Uh, but, but what did you think about uh, James's interaction with Marcus? Um, did, did it do anything for you? Or were you just kind of like, oh, this is another James episode? I liked his interactions with Marcus. I liked the, um, the actor. He does great work on This Is Us. This is um, the younger version of one of the characters. And he was really good on this episode as well. Um, I, I agree with Alex, though, that did this, like re like change my feelings on James or on the guardian storyline in this season. Nah, like they still have so many problems, like from a writing standpoint, they still have so many problems with this character. They just don't know what to do with him. And so anytime it's like a big spotlight for episode for him, it becomes even more painfully obvious. that They don't know what to do with him. Like this episode was almost a whole episode of them being like, yeah, we don't know either. Like, <laughs> like we we know that this whole James thing is not the greatest, but yeah, we're still out. Like, I didn't feel like it. It uh, like I didn't feel like there was anything clarified in this episode where it was like, no, we get the feedback about the Guardian storyline, and this is an interesting new angle we're going to take on it, or this is somewhere interesting we're going to take the character. It kind of got a little bit back to basics with like James from season one where he was sort of Kara's number one cheerleader and like the kind of person who told her that like you don't always need superpowers like you're an inspirational figure and we got a little bit of that when he dropped the guardian thing at the end of the episode and just talked to Marcus and told him you know like I know you're a good person you're a strong person when you're like me and got through to him but I, I didn't get the impression that there that like the show was like, you know, this guardian thing. He doesn't need to be guardian anymore because, you know, he's fine as James Olsen. It was just like, oh, look at he's being brave and not being guardian, <laughs> but he's going to be guardian again. So you get used to that. Like, <laughs> I just it's just so rough. It's just I feel like they have no idea what to do with him which i say this all the time but it's such a shame because mccad brooks is such a good actor and so charismatic and i just feel like they the material that he gets for james is just like i don't know what actor could make this work but like it's tough it's just i can't like half the time we can't even follow his motivations like one of his 10,000 cameras got cracked and he decided to become a vigilante. Like there's no, the arc for his, like the, the, I feel like overall the season has had some problems with different characters and their arcs because it's been trying to juggle so many storylines, but his arc was just like one episode. He's James grown man Olsen. The next episode he's guardian. There's, there hasn't been much of an arc. And then since he's been guardian, his whole thing has basically been like, keeping a secret, getting win in on it, and then, like, kind of feeling like he's not a good good enough superhero. Like, w- earlier in the episode, literally Martian Manhunter, like, runs down his whole storyline and then, like, rolls his eyes at it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we are not the only ones who are up, who are, like, 
see that this is not working out, but I don't feel like they're giving us anything to show that they're going to fix it. That's really interesting that you mentioned that because one of the lines that I gravitated towards in the episode, uh, James, uh, when he's talking about Guardian, he says, basically, all I'm doing is beating people up. And I thought, (laughs) yes, that's exactly it. Because for the last couple of times that we've seen Guardian, he would just go and beat up a bad guy or have a fight with somebody in a dark alley or something. And he, he didn't really add anything to the plot. He was just there to, you know, beat somebody up. So I was actually really relieved that someone, especially James himself, actually addressed that. And I will say that as much of a hard time as I've had with Guardian this season and James as a character, I thought this episode was very refreshing, actually. Like, I really liked James in this episode. I liked that he formed the bond that Mar- with Marcus that he did. I thought the the little stuff with um, them in the interrogation room and, like, Marcus sort of tilting his head to look at James and then James sort of tilted his head to look at him. Like, I thought that stuff was really cute. <laughs> and so I, I really think if they were using this as a way to somehow further Guardian, I think they did, I think it's a mistake because, if anything, for me, it said, <laughs> it said that James was better as James and not Guardian. So I don't know if that's mm-hmm. if that's the way they meant it to be. I don't know. There's there's one part of me that thinks that um, in the episode they made the case that uh, Guardian maybe needs to change his costume to be less fearful to people he's trying to help or that he just needs to give up the costume altogether. I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go with this Um, because actually um, it sort of reminded me of Batman and Justice League uh, New Frontier. Um, in that in that story, Batman scares, I think, a child when he's trying to save the child. And he, he says, you know, I, I want to scare criminals, not children. And so he makes a little, you know, change to his the design of his bat suit. And so I wondered if Guardian was going to do the same thing. Like, this would be a good time for Guardian to adapt the blue and the gold. You know, maybe add some color to your costume. <laughs> like, let's make it like let's make it a little more cheerful. Let's add a little pizzazz. Yeah, maybe then people will be scared of you. That's my suggestion. Um, if you want, if you want to keep doing this guardian thing, maybe add a little color to your costume. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to do that or if they're just going to be like, you know, James is better as a character because I really liked James, the the guy who had all the cameras and formed a bond with this alien. Like I really liked that. So I, I don't know where they're going to go with this. I think they could go either way. So it'll be interesting to, to see what they do. Yeah, I like them going more back to basics with his character. Like in the first season, he he helped Car out and he helped Supergirl, but he didn't need like a fancy suit or like, you know, air quote powers or whatever. Like he didn't need to be a vigilante to do that. I thought that that guy was fine. Like I, I don't... <laughs> The Guardian thing hasn't could have been an interesting storyline, I think, if it was well done. But I think maybe we're all in agreement that it hasn't been particularly well executed this season. So, like, if they just wanted to kind of transition him back into James Grown Man Olsen, I would be fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I I keep wondering, why did this happen? And then I keep thinking, well, (laughs) Maybe they didn't really anticipate not having so much time at CatCo and they had to scramble a little bit and figure out how to balance it. But he's been like siloed in his own storyline, although he has a nice friendship with Wynn now. But still, he's just like separate from the cast. And so I guess at least that episode, this episode was a little better 
because he had some interaction that was not so, you know, stupid. It was all, you know, the whole thing with the secret and the guardian and the suit. Let's just pray they get rid of it for next year. Like you mentioned about him being siloed. I, I, I enjoyed that scene with him and Martian Manhunter so much. I thought yeah. to myself, was that like one of their first scenes? I feel like it's probably not, but it's it's probably it's I would think maybe this season at least. I don't think that he's outside of Win and like a couple of small scenes of Kara, he's basically just been off in his own thing like the whole season. I think that might be their first scene, just the two of them. I can't think of another scene where they were just talking, you know, between the two of them. They they've been in scenes, you know, with a group. But yeah, I thought that was really refreshing. That was like, it was nice to see. I was like, this is this is kind of, I think what we've been kind of talking about is having these characters mix mix around together and not just always being, you know, Kara and Monel or James and Wynn, you know, just like mix them up. <laughs> let, let them play with each other. Um, so I, I, I think that that is something that is really beneficial to the show, getting to see these characters interact uh, in, in different ways. And speaking of characters getting to interact with other characters uh, that in surprising ways, uh, I guess since we're talking about <laughs> James, we should mention that Guardian uh, runs into one of our favorite minor characters on the show. So, um, Alex, <laughs> what is, because this is important, we need to talk about this. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts on Brian the Alien, and what did you think about seeing him in this episode? I was so excited, and I had to laugh. Because it's just like the they have the best recurring little touches, I think, especially this season on Supergirl. So I had to I have to admit, I try not to get on Twitter. I had to get on Twitter and start searching the Supergirl hashtag hashtag just to see all the responses that everybody came up with. Yeah, he's he's very popular, very popular. Um, Morgan, (laughs) what what were your thoughts uh, on on seeing and getting to see even more Brian? We've gotten a lot of him uh, this season. (laughs) I I was excited to see Brian, although I was a little concerned about the 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 newest scrape he has gotten himself into. You know, Brian, always getting himself into trouble, <laughs> such a troublemaker. <laughs> Brian, just say no, <laughs> unless it's medicinal, and then okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna assume that if it is for his anxiety, that you know he's being truthful about it. Maybe it is medicinal, and I will allow it. I'm a little worried about why he's like getting it in a back alley. <laughs> yeah, that is a little sketchy. That seems a little sketchy. It's like, Brian, I'm going to believe you because why would you lie to me? You're <laughs> Brian. But <laughs> you have this warning this one time. Don't turn to a life of crime, Brian. It doesn't pay. Well, and I was uh, I was laughing because Chris from iZombie Radio uh, coined the nickname uh, Business Brian for Brian the Alien. <laughs> And I was sort of laughing, like, what if this is his business that he is he's dabbling in? I'm a little concerned. Um, That's true, because he always is. Like, he's dressed very sharply. He always seems like he's got somewhere to go. Maybe. He's always, he's always maybe got Maybe that's where on. he's going. Yeah, so <laughs> we got a little more information. Sorry, say that again, Alex? I said he's always in the back alley or somewhere on the street going somewhere very quick, so... Yeah, he he always seems to uh, have something going on. Uh, so yeah, I um I I'm also wonder uh, wondering why he has anxiety. Like, what is co- maybe maybe the drug game 
is causing him that anxiety. <laughs> so maybe- well, didn't didn't he say the anxiety came from like a, what was it like a couple episodes ago when like all the aliens died or something? Oh yeah, he did. didn't all the didn't all the aliens at the alien bar die? But but like Brian obviously is fine because Brian. Yeah, that's true. I I can see that that would cause him some, that that makes sense that that would cause you some anxiety. Um, and he's he's like, wait, at that unnamed bar I go to all the time, that could have been me. Yeah, well, he did say that he had been kidnapped recently, and that he was very very tense. Oh, that's right. Oh man, so many things have happened to Brian. You know, I'm gonna give him like a mulligan on this one. <laughs> I, for, I forgot that he was also kidnapped and almost shot into space. So, so uh, Brian has been through I, some I stuff. He's great at excuses, though. I was like, these are some great excuses, Brian. Go. <laughs> Go, Brian. Be free. And, and I, did la- I did laugh about how he um, told Guardian where Marcus's mother lived. And I, I thought back to some of those conversations we'd had previously on Supergirl Radio about, you know, trying to see if, like, the, you know, speculating that the, the writers could make him, like, a confidential informant for the DEO. And that's sort of <laughs> what he was in this episode. So that made me really happy. I hope they kind of, you know, keep, because he's obviously got some connections on the streets. So <laughs> he would be a good informant uh, for the DEO if they chose to use him in that way in the future. Because he did, he he was telling the truth. He he got Guardian exactly where uh, where to find Marcus. So Brian came in very handy. That's true. Brian Brian gets the words on the word on the street. Brian knows. Yeah, Brian Brian uh, knew his stuff and he told the truth and he helped he helped out. I mean that that was good information to know. <laughs> so always good to see Brian the alien show up. Um, and speaking of some other aliens, uh, we have some Daxmites. Lo- actually, lots of Daxmites in this episode, but we're gonna su- we're gonna focus on one Daxmite in particular uh, for this section of the discussion. So uh, we got to see more of Rhea, and we got to see what she uh, wanted out of Lena. So we get to see some Lena Rhea uh, teaming up to do some sciencey sciencey things. Um, so Alex, what did you think about Lena and Rhea's interactions in this episode? I loved it. I thought it was great. And I knew she was going to betray Lena in the end. I could just tell. But I really like that they kind of bonded that way. And, and it occurred to me watching it that it's like, it's sort of like the inverse. Inverse is probably not the right word. But it's very similar to the mentor relationship that we saw with Kat and Kara. Right down to the fact that both of them sort of had a, a difficult relationship with their son or an estranged adult son. So you're seeing, you know, the queen here come in and sort of take Lena in uh, under her wing a little bit. And I just had a great time watching it because I, I think that Terry Hatcher's so evil that I'm having just such a great time. But I really kind of liked watching them work together, even though I knew it was going to turn out horrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Rhea, Rhea is deliciously evil, and I like the point that you make about the kind of the inverse of the Cat Kara dynamic. I think Cat and Kara seem to be very genuine, and and Cat was always trying to mentor Kara, but in a way that benefited Kara and helped her, and and did it in such a positive way. Whereas Rhea, I think 
Rhea did mentor and help Lena accomplish something, but it was, you know, uh, she had this underlying agenda that she, she didn't tell Lena about. So uh, I think that's a, an excellent point to uh, compare and contrast those two relationships. Very interesting. Um, Morgan, what did you think? I know Lena's one of your faves on the show. So what did you think about uh, Lena Luther in this episode? Yeah, I really liked her. Um, I, I kind of wish that she had picked up on some of the evil vibes from Rhea. Like, they seemed a little obvious to me, especially when she's, like, literally two feet away from Rhea. And, like, Rhea answers her phone, does, like, a whole evil monologue <laughs> to Kara, and then deletes the call. <laughs> and then and then literally, like, a foot away, Lena's like, I'm sorry, did I just hear you evil monologue about, like, your evil dastardly plan? And she's like, no, no, that was just a telemarketer. She's like, oh, cool, that makes more sense. <laughs> like, I kind of, like, there was a moment where, like, the camera kind of lingered on Lena's face, and I thought she's figuring it out. But no, not really. Um, but I do, oh, man, Terry Hatcher in this role is so perfect. Um, I thought she was she was really great in this episode, and I like the um, the Lena and the Rhea um, connection. That like basically wh- what Lena wants so badly is like a mother figure, and Rhea is just giving that to her in like spades to the point where like Rhea is being super shady, but Lena is like she's proud of me. Like <laughs> I feel, I feel like it's just overwhelming. Like the thing in the back of her head, that's like, she is going to murder the world. But Lena's like, but she's proud of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like her judgment was clouded. So I, I think we talked about this last week or the week before where we were like, did she, did Raya like, I don't know what the alien version of Google is. Maybe it's Bing, but like, did she look up? <laughs> did she look up Lena and find out that she has like serious mommy issues? Is that like what happened? Because she is playing her like a fiddle in this episode, and it's amazing. Yeah, she did have. To, she did seem to have a lot of knowledge about, uh, but Lena maybe had had disclosed some of that in some of those conversations. We don't know. But she, uh, Rhea did play up the whole mother-daughter thing because she says, any mother should be proud to call you daughter. So, yeah, she was really buttering up Lena in this episode. And I loved Terry Hatcher. On, we, we joke about the, the evil monologue on the phone. But that was, like, my favorite part of uh, Queen Rhea in this episode because she just was so nasty to Kara. She, she says... Uh, Everything Kara does is to bolster her broken ego. She calls her selfish. She says that people need to worship her. She says that she's the last daughter of a failed world. And that everything that... that I was like, burn! And that everything that happens from now on is Kara's doing. That every city that burns and every nation that falls and every child of Earth is going to cry out, Why is this happening? I was like, you are one of the greatest villains on this show just because you say nasty stuff to the hero. Like, I really enjoyed that. I got a big kick out of that because she, you're, you're right, Morgan, she wasn't hiding it. She was full on like, I'm going to tell, <laughs> tell you my evil business and we're, we're, gonna, I'm ju- we're just going to start this thing. I'm just going to be the evil villain. And maybe, some, maybe that does kind of rub some people the wrong way about it being a little uh, too over the top on the villain villain spectrum but i kind of eat some of that stuff up so i thought i i agree i think terry hatcher crushed it in this episode it was very fun to watch 
And I, I, I also liked her building up Lena um, when she like tells her like, oh, you're smarter than Lex. Like, like I said, like she knew exactly how to play Lena, but it was also interesting on, on the flip side, which is that like Lena did figure out this like really complicated um, science portally thing that's obviously gonna eventually kill us all. But uh, <laughs> but like she was she wasn't wrong. Like Lena's really smart, and I think that like we've seen it in a bunch of episodes. But it was uh, it was interesting to see it here too. Like Lena was doubting herself, but when she sort of put that aside and like had more confidence, like what Lena can, um, what she can do is pretty impressive. And maybe at some point will be kind of scary, but <laughs> for right, for right now, I was, uh, I was impressed with her, like figuring out the whole, um, portal thing. And, and kudos to Rhea. Rhea did encourage her, even if it was for an yeah. underlying evil, uh, dastardly evil plan. She did. I feel like she's a very supportive, like evil mom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> More supportive than her other evil mom. Yeah. But, like, did you feel like they were dumbing her down at all? Because I keep thinking, but you, I think, Morgan, you came up with a good explanation. She was just so excited that someone was proud of her that she can't see how evil uh, Rhea actually is. Yeah, it. I don't know, because I don't know exactly to what extent Lena is capable of. But I, I liked seeing more of that in this episode, that we got to see that she was super smart. She was talking all that scientific, technical jargon, and she got it done. She got the thing created and, and ready to go, and she, uh, she figured it out through the help of Rhea, but she, but she kind of figured, figured it out on her own. Rhea just kind of help, had to help her through it. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point, that maybe she was just so happy to have someone be proud of her, which is such a sad thing about Lena. Uh, she, yeah. she just wants someone to love her. Um, and I guess uh, we should also, uh, speaking of Rhea, we should also talk about Monel's interaction with Rhea because that was kind of a big showdown there in, in that last section of the episode that uh, Monel pulls out a gun on her. So, Alex, what did, what did you think about Monel con- confronting his mother? Well, I liked it when he confronted her, and I did yell at the screen, shoot her, like five times. <laughs> but I also thought that it was a really good turn to have her once again just manipulating, which I think is why I think she's such a good villain. And because she's she's very good at finding the psychological damage point that she could just play upon him just that one last time. So I'm not too angry that Manel didn't shoot her. But, yeah, things are going to come to a head. And, I mean, I, I like the Daxamite storyline. I've liked it all season. Probably because I like things that involve Krypton. And now I like, the, you know, I thought it was cool to see the, the Daxamites just streaming into Earth. So I was, but I, I just kept saying, shooter, shooter, shooter. Even though I was rooting for him to kill his mother, which, you know, that's what TV does to you. <laughs> yeah, but when, well, when you're confronted with an evil mother, it's a it's a it's a tough call. What would you do? Um, and and Monel had to be confronted with that choice. And you're you're right, Rhea totally played him and played his emotions. Uh, so that that was definitely an interesting part of that scene. Uh, Morgan, what did you think about uh, Monel having to confront Rhea and and how she? pulled some strings on him yeah she was the master manipulator in this episode let me tell you i was 
loving it. But uh, <laughs> my my first question was like, where did Monel get the gun? Did he just like steal that from the DEO? Is there just like some DEO agent that like looked down at his holster and was like, well, crap. <laughs> like it might have been Jean's. Possibly. Mm, okay. Sean might have had it on him before he changed into Martian Manhunter. That's my guess. Because I, I remember there was a point at the episode where he's talking to, Monel is talking to somebody and he's like, hold on, I have to go get something. Which is, I'm assuming when he goes to get the gun. Hmm. But, yeah, I just, I, I kind of, I was curious. Like, I was like, whoa, he's got, he's packing. Like, where did he get that? Um. Yeah, but I thought I thought Chris Woods uh, did a, a great job in, in that scene. Um, both of them did because you could really see how hard he was fighting. He's he knew that like his mom is a huge problem, but he just couldn't get it like find it in himself to kill her. Now I, because I'm terrible, was just like, don't shoot her in like the heart. Just shoot her somewhere else. Just like take her like take her out of commission. You don't have to like murder her <laughs> i mean you could incapacitate her to an extent i guess yeah yeah that's what i was thinking i was like i don't know like tie her up or something you, you've got the drop on her don't just like you were like just put the gun down and be like okay you've got my feelings <laughs> <laughs> that's a really You're good like, point I, I guess the world ends now yeah. <laughs> like come on there's there's a big gap between like murder and doing absolutely nothing <laughs> and he just flew right past it that is actually a good point that i didn't think about there could have been something he could have done uh but i i, I guess he he was just so overcome by well and to be fair to mon l he had just learned that his father had died uh which his mother had lied to him about she didn't tell him oh by the way i stabbed and murdered your father she uh she claim that he committed suicide so maybe Monel just was having having to process so many things he didn't think about it that's true I, I love that moment too because he's like where is where is my father and she's like I'm gonna read the room and not go with the truth <laughs> <laughs> she like she like looks at the gun goes maybe maybe the truth later <laughs> and, then like, and then just lie so smoothly <laughs> That is so funny because that's exactly what she did. I think it was cool that he was frozen in a way because it sounds so easy. Like, okay, I'll just be like Kara and I'll be a hero and then just do the right thing. But, like, the right thing is really hard in this circumstance. Oh, for sure. And I think the thing that really nailed it uh, for Monel in terms of, like, having to put the gun down, and I think you mentioned this earlier, Alex, is that, you know, that, that quandary of whether or not to shoot her, like, Rhea plays on that. She says... You know, would a would a hero kill his own mother? And that's that's one of those things that you know he probably thought, well, Kara wouldn't do it. So that's that's probably something that went through his head is he he wa- he wants so badly to be a hero, and when she put that question in his mind, that probably um, made him second guess what he was doing. Yeah, it was a really strong uh, part of the episode. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, and since uh, we finally find out what. Rhea's evil plan is has been leading to uh we get this cliffhanger of a hundred or more Daxmite ships uh coming through this contraption that Lena has helped Rhea build so uh Alex what do you think of this cliffhanger and what do you think that that is going to mean for National City well I on the one hand I thought it was a lot very similar to the end of season one 
I was like, okay, so is this going to be like the same sort of scenario with some sort of alien invasion? But I like that, that it, to me, it seems very promising because we're, we might get more information on whether Lena Luther can go evil or not, more information about the depth of her information or of her friendship with Kara and all the different p- feelings that she has not yet processed, especially regarding what happened a couple weeks ago. So I'm like, I think it's more of a setup thing, but I, I'm excited and I'm scared for Supergirl because she doesn't have a lot of allies at this point. That's a good point. She's, uh, they're a little bit outnumbered. <laughs> I mean, you, you have the, yeah. the DEO, but then you have that little small group of super friends and then you have all those <laughs> ships. So I don't, I don't know how they're going to handle all that. And John's kind of like out of commission for, for the time being right now. Yeah, we need, we need to get something to uh, combat that white Martian doohickey that Rhea used on him. Hopefully they can get him out of uh, that nightmare that she put him in. That's a good point. Yeah, I did not like that. That was I was like, wait, oh. you don't mess with Martian Manhunter. Excuse you. No <laughs> one messes with Space Dad. <laughs> well, and he's, he's, he told her, you know, nobody messes with my family. You don't mess with my family. I had so many emotions. I know, I know. And so right now he's he's trapped in a never-ending nightmare is what Rhea says. So I, I don't know if uh, there's a time frame on that. Does it run out? Well, actually, never-ending, I guess, means that it doesn't run out. So, they, <laughs> so, they, so they've, got, they've got to do something. They've got to, got to save him. He can never catch a break with these Martians ever. Yeah. Like, I'm just... You know, Green Martians and white, or you know, got the which one? Who? What was the earlier? What was what's her name? I see. I already forget uh, the Martian story. Uh, McGann. McGann. Yeah, she's yeah. she's a white Martian who pretended to be a green Martian. Yes, and then she left, and so I'm like, gosh, could he just have like one happy day? <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's one of the things that frustrates me about the show a little bit is that you know, Martian Manhunter is a super powerful superhero. Like he's got a gazillion powers. And he he's basically Supergirl, but with even a couple little more powers added onto it. And they always have to find, and I, I get why they do this, because it's Supergirl's show and she has to save the day and, and all of that. But they kind of have to do something to keep him from using his abilities, whether it be, oh, he can't read somebody's mind or whatever. Like, they always have to incapacitate him somehow. And so that, that does frustrate me a little bit. But, yeah, he, he always seems to uh, get uh, put in situations where he, he can't help uh, for some reason. Uh, so, Morgan, what did you think about the uh, big cliffhanger at the end of the episode? Yeah, no, I'm excited for what that means for, like, the last two episodes of the season. I think it's going to be a pretty exciting, just to briefly mention the, the preview, but it looks like it the the vibe at least in the next episode is going to be a very like rebellion kind of like um team super friends against the world kind of vibe and i think that looks really exciting it's definitely a big threat um and i feel like it's different enough from last season and uh and sort of the threat that she faced towards the end of that that i'm not like kind of annoyed that it's like way more aliens again um and I think it, it it makes a lot of sense in for Rhea's character and like what she's trying to accomplish that she was like, fine, I'll just bring all my peeps here, party on earth. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple episodes. That 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 um the cliffhanger just had me going like, uh oh. 
Yeah, I, I liked it to an extent. I liked the way the uh, visuals uh, portrayed it. I liked the shot of uh, our, our perspective behind Supergirl looking at this big uh, machine that was bringing everything in. I thought that was a really cool shot. But yeah, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with the, oh, this is kind of like last season's into the season with all the uh, Kryptonians and all, all of that. So I, I'm hoping that they do something a little bit different because I, I don't want them to start <laughs> repeating themselves all over again with another possible invasion. But uh, I'm in it because Queen Rhea is involved. So, <laughs> uh, so I will go with it. Um, but I was, I was conflicted with what this kind of... Because I was thinking about how they've been treating aliens this season and and correct me if i'm wrong but throughout the season they've kind of had this allegory about refugees and welcoming the refugees in and all of that and try to and sort of uh portraying it as a good and positive thing and then i sort of laughed because well the daxamites could be could be considered refugees and they are coming with possibly a nefarious uh, purpose, and so I, I was kind of conflicted on what the show was trying to do with that metaphor, with that allegory, um, kind of how they were dealing with aliens and and, and refugees and all of that. So I don't know if, the, if I, I get think back that, to I think the show keeps changing their minds about whether or not that is an allegory or whether or not they're just aliens, because uh, I feel like in the first season it was there weren't just aliens like wandering around uh, drinking at the bar, <laughs> chilling out, being super cool. Like Brian, like all the aliens that we saw were out of Fort Roz. And it was kind of like, there weren't really just aliens just hanging about. It was all these Fort Roz escapees. And then in season two, they kind of threw in like, Oh, and also there's aliens and they have their own bars. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay uh so they're not super consistent all the time with that that's true i i think we even talked about that like where did these aliens come from that are all of a sudden just here and they're they're nice and friendly because all the other fort Ross inmates were you know most i mean maybe some of them were uh unfairly imprisoned but the majority of them were probably serious and and bad criminals <laughs> like these were not good aliens so yeah i agree to an extent that the, the show has been a little inconsistent uh on how they have uh dealt with aliens so i it's it's very conflicting for me i'm like how how should i be treating this what am i supposed to be thinking about uh this situation you know they were committed to that story earlier in the season and now it's just sort of like anyway we're over the refugee thing and i i kind of <laughs> I don't know. I, I would hope that they would at least clarify what the heck they want everybody to think. Um, because I was I was thinking the same thing at the end. I was like, well, okay, so we had the refugees, and then we had a whole huge argument about it, but now here they come. So I, I don't get that. I'm, I might be thinking about it too deeply. I don't I don't know if we're like going going to a going to a deep place that maybe the show's not even going. I don't know. Um, but I think it's something to bring up. I think it's it's something to think about because the show has propelled us to think in those terms. So I, I, I don't know. It's just uh, some, something that kind of crossed my mind when I saw them come in because the Daxmites would be a legitimate form of refugee that they have been displaced from their home and, and seeking somewhere else to go. But uh, 
the, they, these refugees don't seem to have uh, good intentions, or at least that we know of. Maybe Raya is like, I just wanted to bring all of my people here, and they just <laughs> m- maybe they just want to acclimate to Earth. They could totally uh, yeah, just like want to want to be you know people who fit in. Maybe they just want to become citizens. I don't know. It may not be a nefarious purpose. I I might just be assuming things. Maybe like the next episode, they're gonna be like, oh my god. It's an invasion, and then just they just like all get out of their their ships, and they're like, "Cool guys, block party!" Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it's just a really like a really chill, laid back time. We don't know; it could be. We don't know. We're gonna have to uh, watch the next episode to find out <laughs> and, and see what their what their uh, goal is for this invasion. Uh, so that'll be something to look forward to. Um, so, Alex, uh, we always kind of go over our overall thoughts about if you liked or disliked the episode. And this is also your opportunity. If there was something you wanted to bring up that you, uh, that we didn't talk about, you can bring that up now. So what, what did you think about this episode as a whole? Overall, I was pretty strong because I, I was afraid it would be like a filler episode. And I, I saw a few people on Twitter thinking it was, but I don't think it was filler. They sort of tried to rescue the James storyline and I was invested while I was watching it, but it, it doesn't fix that storyline. And I'm really excited to find out what happens with Lena Luther and Supergirl next week. And I don't know what to expect. So I feel like anytime I have no idea where the show is going to go, that's usually a good thing. Yes, I think that is a good thing. Um, Morgan, what are your overall thoughts about this episode? I really liked it. Um, I thought it was pretty strong. I still think that, I mean, I, I don't love the Guardian stuff, but it was a good James episode as opposed to being a huge Guardian episode, which I appreciate it. I still don't feel like the show has a good grasp of what they want to do with that character, but it was at least a nice spotlight episode for James. Um, I thought it was the Leah, the Lena, not Leah, the Lena and uh, Rhea stuff was great. Like just Rhea overall was amazing. And we also got that great scene with, uh, with Lena and, and Kara at like, like brunch or lunch or whatever where they're talking about like instant reunions <laughs> i felt like like i uh, th- those are the kind of scenes i want to see more of in the show overall like not just with lena and Kara, although yes please all of those but like I-, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more like just the gang like kicking back and like having fun and relaxing but, like between crises <laughs> i think that really humanizes them and, uh, I mean, we've gotten to see Wynn and James and stuff like that. And I loved getting a, a more of a feel of the, the Lena and the Kara friendship. Because I do feel like now that she's becoming um, a season regular next season, that's going to be a, an important dynamic. So I, I'm appreciating that the last couple episodes have really been reinforcing it. I would agree. I think they've done a good job of building the Kara-Lena friendship and, and making me believe that they are actually friends because friends do that. They go out to lunch together and they <laughs> talk about silly things. Like, actually, it's not a silly thing. NSYNC is a serious deal. Um, confession, I saw them <laughs> in a concert in New Orleans and it was awesome. Um, back, back in the uh, no-strings-attached uh, phase of the NSYNC craze. Good show. They put on a good show. Um, so I appreciated that they uh, they had a serious conversation about that. Um, so I uh, before I get into my overall thoughts, I just had some things I wanted to mention really quickly. Um, as as a as someone who likes to research DC Comics and learn more about the universe, I was a little bit disappointed that there are no such things as Forians uh, that I can tell. 
Um, I did look them up, and it seems like there are um, there's a race of people called the Euphorians. So that may be uh, where the Forians come from. Uh, but uh, the Euphorians don't have any powers or abilities, so I don't think we can directly connect them to the Euphorians on Supergirl, but maybe maybe that's kind of where they pulled that from. So I, if you look up Forians uh, uh, to try to find them in the DC Universe, they don't exist. So I was a little disappointed by that. Um, there was a, a, a... I think there's an Easter egg that I, I kind of tried to, to research. Um, so... The uh, the square uh, where Marcus's mother causes that big disturbance and all that chaos and uh, destroys the uh, falafel stand that uh, that James and Wynn uh, were so excited about. Um, I think that's an Easter egg because they call it Simmons Square, and uh, there's a there's a, a guy named Tom Simmons who wrote uh, the Elseworlds Elseworlds finest Supergirl and Batgirl. Uh, story. So I, I wonder if that was a uh, connection to Tom Simmons, which I thought was cool. And the uh, other thing that I thought was really neat that we kind of didn't talk about in terms of the James situation with all of his cameras, I got really excited about that because I love cameras. And uh, my mom has a couple of really old cameras that I, I've gotten really excited about trying to research, you know, some of those older model cameras. So when James talked about the model that Spider Martin used to document the civil rights movement, I tried to go up and search for what, you know, what model camera did Spider Martin use because I was very curious about that. And I couldn't find that information, but I did learn about Spider Martin, who I have to admit that I am ashamed that I didn't know anything about. And why I'm really ashamed of it is because Spider Martin was a staff photographer at the Birmingham News during the civil rights movement and that Birmingham, Alabama is where I grew up. And so I am so ashamed that I don't know this part of my own history. Uh, but I thought that that was uh, really neat that he had a connection to the Birmingham news, uh, which I, you know, I grew up reading, um, and some of these, you know, things like the, uh, Selma to Montgomery March, I, you know, studied that all my life. So it was really neat to, to have, uh, that personal connection for me that uh, Spider Martin was somebody who worked for the Birmingham News and took pictures for the Civil Rights Movement. I thought that was a really neat thing to discover. So <laughs> shame on me that I didn't know that before. Uh, but that was really, uh, really cool to actually hear uh, be talked about in the episode. But overall, I thought for me, this was a good uh, episode that sort of redeemed James as a character in my eyes. Because uh, I have had problems with his Guardian thing. But it was it was nice to see him actually get a chance to shine. Whether or not that that was successful or not, they at least gave him a chance. And I thought, for me, I would like to see more of this. I would like to see James be utilized in this way more often. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we'll get another episode like this for James because I, I thought I thought it was a nice change of pace. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion. So let's find out what our listeners had to say about City of Lost Children. And uh, Morgan, if you will help read some tweets, because uh, unfortunately Carly couldn't make it uh, for this discussion, which I know she's probably bummed about because she was very excited to see Brian. So uh, we'll, we'll have to get her thoughts on, I know. on, on Brian and, and his weed uh, situation for his anxiety <laughs> problems. So we'll have to get her thoughts on that later. But if you don't mind reading the tweets, uh, we, can, we can do that now. Sure. 
um, at TV Freak in a Box said, um, I enjoyed seeing James being a hero without a suit because, yes, he can do the stuff that counts without the Guardian mask. He has to see that. At the Devil Jackie, um, for an episode that has to be the buildup for the end of the season, it was solid. Really emotional moments, and Rhea is ruthless. Also, poor Lena. <laughs> Um, at Madtown Davison said, I love that Rhea couldn't resist giving a big evil speech over the phone, even though it alerted the heroes. Villain's gonna villain. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, at Simushaw, um, the scene with Lena and Kara was good. The promo for next week was pretty good. That's about all the good. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. Uh, at Shop 23, Brian has the biggest mouth in the galaxy. See, he rolled over on Marcus's mom for a little bag of weed. Medicinal purposes? Come on, Brian. Hashtag anxiety. <laughs> I think some people are doubting Brian's story here. <laughs> He's tweeted great. I love this. Uh, at Truffle Munchie said, episode is definitely on my rewatched list. James dealing with his dilemma. Alex munching on that burger. Brian for shame and trolling and trolling Rhea. <laughs> yeah, I was... um. I was laughing about Marcus because he seemed to pass up all the chances to eat something. Like, Alex offered him two burgers. He didn't want them. And then he got to Catco and Mr. Smucker got, got him milkshakes and curly <laughs> fries. And the, he, like, destroyed them. I mean, he unintentionally kind of made the milkshakes explode. But I was just like, dang. Marcus, you're missing all the chances to eat all this food. It was it was sad. I know. I was I was sad for Marcus and for the food. Yeah. <laughs> um, at Anne Fernie Fuzzy said Marcus was too cute. Um, at Amir Any said definitely one of the better episodes of the season. Such a relief to finally see James Olsen get the screen time he deserves. Um, at Mark H B. P-W-M said James will be much more of a hero volunteering for big brothers, big sisters than he has his guardian. He'll get more sleep for running Catco. <laughs> well, I mean, under the desk. <laughs> uh, definitely under the desk. And I do think he would be a good candidate for big brothers, big sisters. I think he would be a great big brother in that organization. Um, at Seal Stan says we need to get Brian some proper mental health care or a legal prescription. Yeah, I, don't I know, mean, I don't know yeah, it's probably a not a legal prescription. prescription. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Chris Fundelinski said, I want an episode that follows Brian around for a day. Maybe he's helping the DEO or gets caught by Maggie and we see it through his eyes. Oh, my God. I would love that so much. <laughs> I, I want an episode with just Brian the alien as the protagonist. And then I also want... Um, is it Pam? It's Pam, the HR lady at the DEO? Yes, Pam, I'm, the HR lady. I'm still campaigning for a Pam episode. I, I think that I think a, a nice change in format, maybe in season three, I would love to. That's that's what I'm I'm suggesting. That would be great. Um, at Ale Dew said, uh, someone at Catco, the place where gossip is born, has to be writing that a billionaire is constantly hanging out with one of its employees, right? I mean, I don't know. That, that's, that's a, a story. I mean, that's a good point. That's true. <laughs> Lena's just kind of always around. <laughs> and Kara, I mean, would it be ethical for Kara to write about her situation with Lena? I mean, can she blob about, oh, this is what's <laughs> happening at L Corp if she's like BFFs with the head of it? I don't know. 
Yeah, that seems like a that seems like a conflict of interest, but Kara routinely writes about herself. So <laughs> that's true. Like I got it I got an exclusive interview with Supergirl and she says everything <laughs> she's just done is just fine. <laughs> like <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um at cat underscore 765 says does this mean james is done as guardian because that would be great he is much more interesting without the mask alex um uh, let me pose this to you real quick alex do you think that james is done with guardian or do you think that this is just a step in his his journey i think james is done with guardian i don't think he may not be done this season but i think season three will begin with james finding some new hobby or passion because I have to believe these are these are smart people and pretty good writers who write this show, and I just I don't know how they can keep going with this. Yeah, he's just not a vigilante type of guy. Yeah, it's a tough call. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they'll, they're going to drop the Guardian thing or not. Uh, at Kyle Lucas says, "Thank Rao for Lena and Rhea. They were the best part for me." Marcus was cute, and Brian made an appearance. <laughs> a lot of Brian fans. Uh, at Patty Mello twenty said, "Can we keep Raya for next season? She's too awesome to die." Cat uh, Queen Grant is back next week, and I'm here for it. Always great to see Brian. <laughs> I like that she's too awesome to die. That's, that's what I should say I about agree. all my favorite characters. They're too awesome to die. <laughs> I can't kill them. <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> at Miss Lily ninety nine said, I know it was a setup episode, but not enough Supergirl or Alex. Rhea and Lena were thrilling to watch and see what develops. Oh, and Brian the Stoner. <laughs> at Austin Lee Mead said, So is this worse than the Dominator invasion on Earth One? That's a good question. Uh, I for, kind of forgot about the Dominators if we're, we're being honest. Uh, well. I don't, I don't, that's a good question because I don't know how far I can't remember how far reaching the Dominators were. Were there? It seemed like there was only like a few that they were fighting, but I, I don't remember how how many of them there were. Were there more? Yeah, it didn't a, seem like a whole fleet. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a well, I don't know. But then there were Dominators in the past. When didn't the Legends go back in time and and find Dominators then? So I I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, at Danvers Co. said, I yawned all the way through. The cliffhanger looked promising, though. Um, at Zandani said, I'm still not fond of James's Guardian, but I did enjoy his storyline with Marcus. But really, the best part was that, was that ending. Um, at Mia Gone Mia said adore terry but ria's entire motivation is just is just mustache twirling ridiculous maybe that's why they're going for maybe that's what they're going for just not working for me um at rantasmo one said lena luther has been so screwed up by her family that she desperately looks for maternal approval from a random surrogate mother (laughs) um at john (laughs) poor lena at john reed comics for the record polyatomic aeons are a completely normal thing basic chemistry which you may have already known because you could be awesome at chemistry but just in case john i am not awesome at chemistry i did not know that (laughs) i am not either uh so that's that's good to know if that's an actual scientific term uh that is used in chemistry that is good to know yeah the more you know 
The more keep you sending know. us your chemi- <laughs> keep sending us your chemistry thoughts uh, because we have no idea. At Brianna Ahern said, "Can't even say how excited I am to see all of those great female characters on the show next episode." Yeah, we've got some we've got some people coming back and uh, some people teaming up. It looks like so uh, that's that's very exciting. Lots of lots of female characters um, for next week. Well, we have an email from Susan who writes, quote, Ordinarily, I am perfectly happy to suspend belief and go with the flow even when something in the plot doesn't quite work. But if you start from the place viewers are supposed to be before this episode, which is Lena doesn't know Kara is Supergirl, then please explain how when Lena's device went wacko and Supergirl showed up at Lena's office with a federal agent and Kara's boyfriend, Lena did not react at all. (laughs) Let alone say, what the heck? Assuming the writers don't pull out the Lena knew all along excuse, would love to hear how you think they can explain this one, unquote. I keep thinking, I've been leaning towards that they're trying to make the point that Lena has known all along, but I I don't really feel like that's been established or earned at this point, even though I want her to know. So I don't know how they're going to get around that. I read this email and I thought, oh, (laughs) you know, that's kind of a basic point. And... I kind of have trouble with the suspension of disbelief, but for some reason, I was like, yeah, okay, this is fine. (laughs) Morgan, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, that's funny. It didn't clock for me until we read this email that, like, Lena had definitely met Monel before. And so, yeah, why isn't she like, hey... What's Kara's boyfriend doing here? Like, she's just so nonchalant about it. Like, yes, this guy's also here. I was, uh, yeah, I, I would buy if they decided to do a Lena figured it out ages ago and has just been being chill about it. I would buy it. But I don't feel like that's what they're doing. So I have no idea. I think it's just a plot hole. Yeah, I I asked the same thing when uh, I was live tweeting. I was like, D- shouldn't Lena recognize Monel? Um, <laughs> but right after I asked that question in a tweet, Lena got knocked out. So they could they could do the old. I I, I, I want to say I can't remember a specific example, but I'm sure Smallville did this many many times. Oh my god, where Lex would get knocked like out Lex- and forget something. So I feel like Lex had like low-grade like brain damage by the end of that show he was always knocked out uh so lena probably when she got knocked out she either um you know had uh like a memory lapse like maybe she forgot that she saw monel um something could happen due to the getting knocked out and her forgetting so uh i think it's easily explained away but it, it it is one of those things where it's like she should be able to put that together like Oh, I've seen that guy before, and he's the boyfriend of my best friend, and uh, we've all hung out together, and <laughs> and Supergirl kind of looks like my best friend, just <laughs> just not with glasses. Um, so this, this she's is like adding hmm, up. The plot thickens. Yeah. So so it is one of those things where it is a little questionable, but I think if anything, if they if they address it at all, it will be one of those things where Lena just she got knocked out and she forgot. Uh, we also have an al- uh, an email from Alex who writes, For James's sake, I hope this is the end of the Guardian saga. Early this season, James had a conversation with Wynn where James revealed his desire to become a superhero. 
At that time, Wynn was against it, telling James that the two of them fight with knowledge and that there was no shame in that. I thought this was a very good scene, making the point that you don't have to wear a costume or have superpowers to be a hero or fight for justice. I always thought James was a smart guy. For him and later Wynn to go through nearly the entire season believing that beating people to a pulp in the streets while wearing a mask and using Darth Vader's voice would somehow make him an inspira- as inspirational as Supergirl or Superman was a little silly. I like the character of James Olsen and McCad Brooks is a good actor. It's just a shame that the writers, producers just never seem to know what to do with him. Last year, James was basically Kara's love interest. When that didn't work out he became the ceo of caco when that storyline didn't pan out they came up with the guardian idea it's almost as if the writers were throwing darts at a board to find something for james to do unfortunately the guardian role kept james permanently as a side plot and completely separate from most supergirl storylines i have a feeling that by the end of this season he will find some role at the deo which Morgan, I think, is something that you have been suggesting I, yeah i have been saying i have been suggesting that uh pretty since pretty early in the guardian storyline and i'm i it just seems to make more sense they they seemingly have very little interest in catco right now and they also have very little interest in guardian so if we want to see james at all it feels like it would make more sense for him to just be working with the deo like alex is kicking ass all the time and she's not a superhero but you know, she's still pretty competent, so why not just have him in a DEO role? I think that would make some sense. Yeah, I think they're going to bring him into the DEO. I I personally think that he will still be Guardian, but he will be Guardian for the DEO. I think that's, I think that's where I see it heading. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the, the inevitable conclusion would be to work him more into the D, the DEO. Cause he, he sort of fits in there. Like, I think he, he does things for them that is valuable and, and having them all in one place is kind of neat. But I think there's also something to be said about having characters who are outside of the DEO. Having everyone there is a little, maybe a little too much, but it would sort of make sense from a, uh, a character standpoint where they have him now. Yeah, like, I really miss the the Catco scenes from the first season. Like, that whole Catco environment, there was it was a much bigger part of the show. But they, they seemingly don't care much about it right now. <laughs> like, I don't think we've, since the, maybe, like, one of the earlier seasons, I don't think we've seen James do anything in Catco besides... Again, in my in my opinion, sleep under the desk and, and and show like, you know, use his office to do things that literally have nothing to do with his work role. Like, I feel like Cat Grant is definitely going to come back like next episode and be like, so my paper is failing like really badly. <laughs> Who is running this? And James is like. Not me. <laughs> and also, um, I have like I will be disappointed if Cat doesn't come back in the next episode and is like, "What happened to my building?" Because <laughs> yeah, exactly, Catco looked junked up after Marcus, you know, got sort of mind controlled and went crazy at Catco. The building itself physically had creases. I don't know how else to explain it. But, like creases like it had been severely damaged as a building and not even just inside in the offices where all the papers were flying 
when they showed that exterior shot of Catco, it was like somebody had taken a hammer to it. <laughs> like a really, really big hammer. And uh, so if I was Cat Grant, I would be like, somebody please explain to me what has happened to my building <laughs> and how are we going to fix this? Uh, so I, although I was relieved that the wall of monitors uh, got out of that unscathed for the most part. The the monitors didn't crash and, and fall to the floor. That that made me very happy. I was very, very relieved. Uh, but the rest of CADCO... Yeah, I was worried about the wall of monitors. Uh, but the, the rest of CADCO really took a hit. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Kat's going to say about CADCO when she comes back. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. And um, speaking of CATCO and characters that, that work at CATCO, um, we have some Snap Judgment questions uh, named after uh, one of our favorite characters this season, Snapper Carr, even though he doesn't snap. Uh, we do have some <laughs> we do have some Snap Judgment uh, Snaps questions. Snaps for Snapper. Snaps for Snapper. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Alex, uh, you may be familiar uh, with this game that we like to play, but just in case uh, someone has not listened before or is not familiar, so we have some questions. Uh, sent in from uh, a, li- a listener, and also we're going to take a question from the show that I, I don't think the qu- uh, the show meant as a as a snap judgment question, but I'm going to use it as a snap <laughs> judgment question. Um, but uh, so we have questions that we're going to uh, pose to everyone uh, uh, in this discussion, and uh, don't don't think about it. It's your first instinct. You don't explain it. We just say what we uh, think what our answer is, and we move on. So that's that's why it's a snap judgment. It's, it's the first thing you think of. So, all right, let's get started. So the first one is uh, from at TV Freak in a Box, and uh, the question is, would you rather see Snapper snapping or a Brian-centered story arc? Uh, so, Alex, which one would you rather see? Snapper snapping. Morgan. Snapper snapping. <sighs> Snapper snapping. I think we're going to go three for three on that one. Uh, the second one comes from Ad TV Freak in a Box. Who would win in a fist fight, Lillian or Rhea? And uh, just to be specific, in a controlled environment, no superpowers or goons doing the dirty work. So just hand-to-hand combat. Who would who would win, Lillian or Rhea? What do you think, Alex? Lillian. Morgan, what would you say? I think Rhea. She's scrappy. I'm going to go Lillian. I think Lillian could take her. Uh, so uh, the final question, we are going to actually take uh, the, the show sort of proposed this uh, in the scene between uh, Lean, Lena and Kara when they were having brunch or lunch at CatCo. So the question is, would you rather have an NSYNC reunion or JT and Brittany back together? Seriously, <laughs> this is the, this is the uh, most serious question I think we've had in Snap Judgments. Uh, so Alex, which one would you rather see, an NSYNC reunion or JT and Brittany back together? Oh my gosh, this is so tough. I guess an NSYNC reunion is better for everyone involved. <laughs> Morgan, <laughs> Morgan, what would you say? Hmm. In sync reunion. I'm gonna go in sync reunion. So three for three on that one. It's a tough call, but I, I think we did it. So that that's all of our snap <laughs> judgment questions. Uh, thank you for playing, Alex. Uh, and so I think that's uh, going to do it for all of our feedback for this episode for City of Lost Children. Um, so thank thank you so much, Alex, for joining us uh, to chat about this episode of Supergirl. It's very exciting to have a fresh new voice on the podcast. How can our listeners find you on the interwebs? 
You can find me at whatthefangirl.com. I blog there and also at WTFangirlBlog uh, on Twitter. And thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Awesome. I'm glad you had a good time. We'll, We'll have to have you back sometime. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. We have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so check out our playlist there. We have a ton of music, so it will uh, keep you busy for a while. So definitely check out the Spotify playlist. And we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. Uh, we're available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we're a part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so make sure to follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. You're still off the hook, Morgan. Uh, the mega feed is still I know. down. I, I, I kind of miss it. I kind of miss it. Uh, I was getting so good at it. I was like training like a training montage is just trying to say the names as fast as possible i'm getting rusty now (laughs) there's no challenge anymore uh i know we we gotta up the stakes Uh, that was my everest (laughs) (laughs) well you can follow me on twitter at derby kid that's d-e-r-b-y-k-i-d i'm also on instagram at the derby kid that's t-h-e-d-e-r-b-y-k-i-d right now i'm just taking lots of pictures of when i go to the park and take pictures of nature. Uh, so if you enjoy that, check me out on Instagram. And you can watch videos of mine over at uh, YouTube uh, at youtube.com forward slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can also find some of my writing on Buddy TV. I just wrote an article about why Amazon should pick up um, Sweet Vicious since it got canceled so cruelly by mtv it's a great show that you guys should uh, should be watching and hopefully some network will save it um, i'm also uh, recapping pretty little liars for this last season so if you happen to be also a pretty little liars fan you should check that out on buddy tv and i'm also one of the co-hosts of the legends of tomorrow podcast legends of tomorrow podcast listen to our podcast also you could watch the show <laughs> <laughs> or you could do that too. You could. You, I mean, it's not necessary to watch the show. It's more like it's more like an enrichment experience for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly would highly recommend it. I think you guys do a great job. So, uh, I even if you don't like, I mean, I don't watch the show, but I definitely like the podcast. So <laughs> it's it's something. Why? That thank you. you. Well, if you would like to stick around for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember that like James, you can be a hero without a suit.
I've been away for a while, but I'm back. Alien invaders have come to destroy our way of life and claim our planet. Do not resist. This could be dangerous. No, no, this will be dangerous. It's over, Rhea. It is over for you, And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Resist. The official description reads, quote, Supergirl grapples with whether or not to obey the president's orders regarding Rhea's latest actions. Meanwhile, Cat Grant returns to National City, unquote. And I think I'd have to go back and look at all of them, but this is this may be the shortest description for an I episode think so. we have ever had. It's like, well, <laughs> this happens and then, then this happens and then that's the, the rest of it. I mean, that's that's the episode. That's it. Uh, so I am actually very grateful that it's very short and sweet. Uh, but there, but there's actually a lot of stuff there in, in two sentences. Uh, so Alex, what are you most excited to see in this next episode? Um, two things like everyone else. I'm excited for Cat Grant to return and sort of lay claim to her, her cat co and fix all the problems, but also just the idea that the show was a lot more aspirational in the first season and, not in really a cloying way, but just kind of a like, can't we do better? And I really like those conversations between Kat and Kara. But I really need to know, I really believe that Kat knows that Kara is Supergirl, but also that Supergirl should tell her. Hmm. So, like, that's the mm-hmm. thing I'm most excited about. I mean, I know you, I mean, yeah, you guys have talked about that. I, that drives me nuts. There's no reason at all why she wouldn't trust Kat Grant with that knowledge. And you said Linda Carter's back. I don't know what the heck is going on with that storyline, so <laughs> it'll be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll uh, get to maybe find out what Cat Grant's been up to, what the president's been up to, a lot of guest stars, a lot of th- information that we need to be told. Uh, so hopefully we'll get some of that next week. Uh, Morgan, what are you, what, what's, what's speaking to you in these two sentences of this description? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited that Cat Grant is back. Um, she's been a presence that's been sorely lacking this season. Like, I've liked so much stuff about this season of the show, but uh, I haven't liked that we don't have Cat. So I'm super excited that she'll be back next week. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what her interactions with everybody is, are going to be like now that she's been like gone for most of the season. And uh, so she'll have to be playing catch up a little bit. I think that'll be fun. Um, and I'm also really excited to see what is up with the Linda Carter stuff because it has been so, um, like, incomprehensible so far <laughs> this season. Uh, Linda Carter is obviously amazing, um, but I have no idea what is going on with her. So I feel like we're going to finally get sort of the, like, the down low on, like, what's going on with that whole situation. And I'm I'm curious, so I, I'll, I'll be interested to see the reveal for that. Yeah, we know she's an alien, but we don't know where her loyalty lies. I mean, she's she's obviously the president of the United States, so maybe that means she's a good alien who cares about the country and, and cares about the safety of the world. So maybe she's looking out for the, the best for the people of Earth with whatever she is asking Kara to do. But I am curious as to what it is that Supergirl is grappling with. What is the president ordering her to do that Supergirl doesn't want to do. 
that I think, in addition to the guest stars returning and everything, I think Supergirl coming back to the forefront and having um, something that she's having to deal with in, in terms of what's the right thing to do, I think that is interesting to me, uh, trying to uh, see her, her, as the description says, you know, grapple with a decision. What is she going to do? What, what choice is she going to make? I, I think that's uh, a potential for a really good storyline for uh or at least for that for that episode uh, for Supergirl, for Kara. So I'm very excited about that. Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.